The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're listening to Pixels and Flesh, an Anderson Dexter novel, written and read by M. Darusha Wayne. For more information, visit darusha.ca. Chapter 2 It's not like we didn't know that creating a distributed version of the nets that the firms can't control was going to piss them off, Annabelle said. Of course they are going to fight to hang on to their business interests. That they were completely fucking up M-City in their little wars to take over each other's markets was what got this whole ball rolling in the first place. You know that. She took Dex's hand in hers and leaned in. They started this. I know. I just... Dex sighed. I just wonder if I could have found a better way, some solution that would have protected M-City without making everything so shitty for everyone out there. He gestured to the door of Monty's, but he was sure Annabelle knew he was referring to the physical world. Dex, Annabelle softened her voice. I appreciate your sense of personal responsibility, but it's edging a little close to megalomania. If I remember correctly, I was the one who helped write the package that took this away from the firms, not you. She spread her arms in an all-encompassing gesture. And I don't regret it for a hot second. Dex lit a cigarette and pondered. She was right, of course. I guess I always knew that there would be consequences, unintended side effects. I just didn't think it would be this. This was more than employers forcing people to physically go into work. It was what had become a deep division between those who were loyal to their employers and the system of anarcho-capitalism which ruled most of the world, and the people who were actively resisting the status quo. Resistors like Dex, who worked as a freelancer based in M-City, and like Annabelle, who held a regular corporate job, but moonlighted with online or freelance work, or spent their personal time in M-City. The virtual world had developed a robust society, complete with businesses, communities, and social groups. When that had been threatened, a diverse cross-section of people joined together to keep their online space alive. It had worked perhaps too well. The mega-firms which controlled business in the physical world had recognized this as a threat to their supremacy, and economic battle lines were drawn. Ordinary people, trying to make ends meet, were the first casualties. It's going to get worse before it gets better, Dex. Annabelle finished her drink and another materialized on the table. This was never going to be a once-and-done. It's just the start. Yeah, I know. I only hope it does get better. She took his hand and squeezed. The sensation progressed through Dex's implants, and his real hand felt almost as if she were really there next to him in Loretro. Enough depressing state-of-the-world talk, she said, leaving her hand on his. I've been so swamped at Omnitrack, I haven't hit the squad boards in months. What's new in Mac Larson's Band of Merry Avatars? Dex groaned. He still held an unjustified dislike of his boss and seeing his old captain again had only reawakened those negative feelings. Nothing interesting, he said, reaching for his drink in both the physical and virtual bars. You haven't missed much. 
At least Larson hasn't taken a page out of the corporate playbook and made us all start going into that chrome and glass monstrosity he calls a squad room. Annabelle laughed and shook her head. I've never understood why you hate that building so much. Dex shrugged and looked around at Monty's with its low-lying cloud of blue smoke, dark wood paneling, and lurid red leather booths. This is more my style. You are such an anachronism, Annabelle said. But I wouldn't have you any other way. Annabelle ordered a plate of virtual snacks, and Dex felt his stomach growl. Give me a minute, he asked, and Annabelle nodded. Dex left his avatar running in Monty's, but refocused on Loretro. He flagged down the server and ordered a refill and a food brick. He didn't mind paying for the space and ambience with a drink or two, but it bugged him to pay double for the molded nutrient supplements he had a case of back at the apartment. He rationalized it as a small price to pay to keep his relationship with Annabelle functional. He had grown to appreciate M-City on an aesthetic and practical level, but would honestly have been happy enough never to leave the physical world. Annabelle, on the other hand... Dex often replayed the context of their last serious argument. If she could live her entire life permanently in a simulation, she would choose that in a second. He knew that nothing would stop her. Not him. Not anything. It was only a case of the technology being out of reach that kept her physically embodied. So he accommodated her need to escape the physical world, to meet her at least halfway between pixels and flesh. His order arrived and he ate half the mushy food substitute in a couple of bites. He washed down the meal with his watered-down rum and reanimated his avatar. Better? Annabelle asked. Dex nodded and picked up one of the deep-fried morsels from the snacks plate. He could taste it, and nearly feel the crunch in his mouth. One day, he might even get used to the sensation. So how was your day? Pretty damn interesting, actually, Dex said. Guess who came into my office today? Annabelle raised an eyebrow. Some long, cool drink of water, looking like trouble on two legs, with a desperate tail to melt your jaded detective heart? I think she'd punch you in the face if she heard you describe her that way, Dex said, laughing. It was Captain Jang. Annabelle's mouth literally fell open. Zizu? In your office? Is she trying to get you back from Larson after all? Sadly, no. It's a personal matter. Okay, now you've really got my interest piqued. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to break confidentiality or anything, but... Her eyes were wide. Can you tell me? Dex grinned. As tempting as it would be to make you froth at the mouth in curiosity... The cap said I could loop you in. Dex gave her a brief rundown on the captain's mysterious stroke of good fortune. And she has no idea who this person is? Nope, Dex confirmed. Any chance it's a mistake? Annabelle asked. The wrong Zahara Zhang, maybe? Dex shook his head. The paperwork is very clear. It's Zizu, all right. Well, Annabelle said, grinning. It doesn't sound easy, but at least you won't be bored. When Dex got back to the apartment, Annabelle was in bed. She must have heard him come in since she called out, Come on in, I'm just reading. Dex got himself ready for bed and slid in next to her. She was still online, her eyes unfocused. He waited on his side of the bed, knowing she might or might not come over. It was fine either way. Just having her wait next to him was a tangible proof of her comfort with him. After a few minutes, she blinked a couple of times and looked over at him. I'm beat, she said with an apologetic smile. Me too. 
She leaned over and gave Dex a quick kiss, then lay down in the lights dimmed. I love you, she murmured into her pillow. Love you too, kiddo, Dex said as he closed his eyes, a contented smile on his face. Dex had his virtual feet up on his virtual desk when the phone rang. The shrill tone startled him, and he scowled at the annoyance. He lifted the heavy black handset and said aloud, This is Dex, go. You were right. The voice of Mac Larson, Dex's current captain, never failed to put Dex in a foul mood, even when Larson was complimenting his work. Sir? For some twisted reason, Dex might have been even more annoyed at Larson being nice to him. There was something about the captain that inherently pissed Dex off, and while he knew it was irrational and inappropriate, he couldn't help himself. Tapping into the feeds from Sim Stims worked a charm. We've got those hoods dead to rights. Dex knew without looking it up which case Larson referred to. In the wake of the organized vandalism of the virtual world at the hands of some of the large companies, a few enterprising lowlifes had started a copycat extortion business. Larson's squad had been investigating an online stim supplier whose storefront had been repeatedly attacked with some poorly executed but still bothersome malware. After a couple of attacks, the ransom demand had arrived. Dex had suggested that the supplier allow the squad to monitor a live feed from their instantiation. It was a pain and an invasion of their privacy, but they'd been willing to try. It had only been a few days since they began monitoring, and now Larson was calling with the good news. Glad to hear it, Dex said. You sending over some goons to roust them? Dex could somehow hear the grin in Larson's voice. Thought you might want to get your hands dirty. It would be a lot easier if I could learn to like this man, Dex thought. He really isn't that bad a guy. Yeah, I would, at that, he said aloud. Thanks, boss. Larson sent the details about the culprits to Dex's system, which appeared as a manila folder materializing in Dex's entry. He picked it up and flicked through the photos and papers stuffed inside. I'll get right on this. Dex linked over to a public portal in the Zuber's block. The information Larson had sent over showed that the would-be shakedown artists frequented a music and stims hangout in the area. A quick look at the user list for the area showed that they were online and nearby. Dex found the bar and entered, keeping his avatar hidden. He scanned the room and found his quarry at a back booth, the two avatars laughing and sharing a stim pipe. Dex accessed his onboard system and found a nasty little bit of code Annabelle had written years ago. Dex didn't understand how it worked, but he knew from experience that when he sent it to another avatar, it would appear as a benign but annoying image, like an insect or a bit of fluff. Most people instinctively brushed it away, and when their avatars touched it, the payload was injected into their systems. It wasn't permanent. The rendering system was designed to be self-correcting, and the effects would wear off in a few minutes. But for a moment, any affected avatar would be paralyzed. Dex made his avatar visible and strode toward the now-frozen hoodlums. Not so much fun to be on the boot end of the kicking, is it? He growled. But if you lie down in malware, you can't be too surprised when you wake up with broken pixels, can you? He almost wished that the frozen effect had worn off, because there was no reaction to his words. He figured that he was getting through, though. This little trick usually worked a charm. He sat down at the table across from them and leaned in. What is wrong with you anyway? With everything going on in here, the last thing we need to be doing is turning on each other. You really think that the graft you can get from shaking down a mom-and-pop stim joint is going to elevate you into the financial stratosphere? 
If the firms end up destroying M-City in their turf wars, do you honestly think a few extra euros will make any difference to you? All you're doing is making it easier for our real enemies to destroy us. The Avatar on the left, a blue-spotted humanoid with feathers, began to stir. You got us, old man, a high-pitched voice came out of the jerky, pixelated Avatar. But you're wrong. Wrong about the firms and wrong about M-City. You want to think that we're all alike. That all of us who live online want the same things, but you don't know us. You don't know who we are, what we want. If you think there's some kind of united resistance, some allegiance to your precious mission in here, well, then you're even dumber than some stim jockey who can't even secure their code. Their paralysis had completely worn off now, because both avatars dematerialized. Dex sat at the table, staring at the empty space where they'd been. He was pretty sure that his message had gotten through and that they wouldn't be bothering Sims Stims anymore. This had been a warning, a harmless demonstration of what else could be possible, and they knew it as well as he did. But what Feathers had said got to him, because it wasn't wrong. You've been listening to Pixels and Flesh by M. Darusha Wame. For more information about this and the other Anderson Dexter books, visit darusha.ca. Thanks for listening.